0: Except City. I am your host, Joe Usello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 323 of Low Limit Football on this 18th of April, 2021. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, five-time champion Lyon are bounced out of the Women's Champions League by PSG. The final four is set for the Men's Champions League. We're going to discuss the pairings. MLS kicks off this weekend with some exciting and Some exciting play and a couple of goal of the year candidates already. Copa Libertadores group stages are set to begin this week and the quarterfinals is set for the CONCACAF Champions League. We're going to discuss that and much more with our guest Andrea Yanez from Una Hora con la H who will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man?
1: I'm good, Joe. I'm good. Um, for some reason, though, I can't think of what you're thinking because of this microchip that was installed. It's so weird. I don't know why. Oh, I thought those gave me like superpowers or something, but well, I'm unfortunately nothing.
0: You'll gain X-ray vision in six weeks. Okay,
1: perfect. <laughs> perfect. Well,
0: you, and, and, uh, in, and you're referring to, of course, the fact that you and I are both members of the Pfizer gang now.
1: Ah, uh, half members of the
0: oh, Pfizer gang. Oh, you're half member. Yeah, that's I'm right. A half you got you. Yep. yep. I'm am a full member. Uh, my wife is a full member from this weekend as well. My daughter's a half member, mm-hmm. um, so it looks like we're all Team Pfizer gang, right? I guess we that's how are, definitely are. But hopefully, uh, you know, it it looks like things are progressing along. At least in this country, uh, they're talking about starting to let uh, fans into MLS matches. Um, depending on where you are, uh, some have already started. Some are talking about it, but we could see fans showing up. Uh, and the Italy broadcast today for the Juve Antalante game, they uh they said that in May, it looks like Serie A might be letting up to a thousand fans per match uh come in as well. So we've got uh some hope on the horizon, my friend. I, I hope it uh I hope it does take off because uh I think we need it. And you know I, I I know the the Orlando City match this week, uh I think one of the one of the pundits on Twitter said that the fans or, or the or the the man of the match was actually the fans to to have real live fans at a match again was something that was just it, it felt so good that uh it was something that's been missing in all our lives and it looks like uh you know hopefully we're we're on that road to uh to recovery we'll see uh we'll see if we get there though but we have a great show uh a show that you know thanks i guess to some uh technical difficulties we've had today um is changed a little bit but uh, i think it is well worth the changes as well i know we talked about that we were going to talk uh, Champions League, I think we're going to table that discussion because I think we're going to go to uh, the, the breaking news in our opening thoughts segment instead. But first, my friend, you have the trivia honor, so if you wouldn't mind doing that, I would appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, and this is a good one for you. Well, okay. It's actually related to the world's game, as we always do, but this goes in part to one of your favorite rankings, the FIFA rankings. Okay. Now, I know how much everyone loves the FIFA rankings, but the FIFA rankings just came up about 11 days ago, as we record Mm -hmm. And the top 10 might give you an idea of what the best teams in the world are. It probably isn't. But out of the top 10 teams that currently are on the uh, world ranking, Mm -hmm. only four, sorry, let me count one more time. One, two. Yeah. Only three of them
0: have never won the World Cup. Name them. Wow. I know one of them because I know who's number one. Um, And it's Belgium. I did yeah. see that. So three teams.
1: Well now you have to guess two at yeah. this
0: point. Um I remember seeing that because I remember seeing Belgium there at the top of the list and I was like, wow, that's kind of strange. Um I, I would have expected France to be there instead, but uh but I remember seeing Belgium. I mean you would have also expected to see Brazil at the top, but uh it was Belgium. So I you know that was I thought that was very, very interesting. Um but let me give you ten uh three teams. I think I know them. I'm not positive. I brushed over the 10 quickly uh, when they came out, but uh, I haven't looked at it in a while. So it's going to I'm going to have to pull on my memory and see if I can figure that out. But a great question. And we'll have the answer for you at the end of the show. So let's get to opening thoughts, my friend, because this one is really uh, breaking news. An announcement this morning made uh, by by uh, about a dozen clubs that uh, they were uh, considering or looking into breaking off for a European Super League. Uh, I believe, and and you'll have to list the 12 clubs for me, I'll try to list them from memory right now, which there were six English clubs, I believe it was Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Chelsea, and um, I believe the three Italian clubs were uh, Inter Milan, AC Milan, and Juve, and the three Spanish clubs were Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona. No uh, German sides on this list, no French sides on this list, apparently... And there's a there's a great uh, article by Tariq Panja in uh, I believe it's the New York Times today that um, no PSG and um, the the Khalid uh, and I, his, his name is going to escape me because I don't have it open in front of me. But uh, the owner of PSG. Nasi Al-Khalifi. Thank you. Um, was uh, asked to be a part of this, but uh, obviously PSG are monitoring the situation, but they, at the moment they are refusing to be a part of it. Uh, some will say that uh, th- their ties to be in sports and the contracts that they have currently with European football um, are, are pretty big, and they don't want to part with that, that sort of money. Uh Uh, Bayern Munich was also approached as well as Borussia Dortmund. But at this point, we're declining to be part of this Super League, uh, wanting to stick with the traditional Bundesliga and everything else. UEFA has come out in in, in just the past hour or so and has really responded uh, aggressively. Almost, you know, I've seen some of the journalists call it nuclear at this point where they said if these teams do break off into European Super League. And and again, this is really to compete with Champions League and kind of a, a money grab for the Champions League that if they did break off, uh, they would not be allowed to play in uh, domestic competitions. So Serie I would be out, La Liga would be out, uh, EPL would be out. They would not be allowed in the Champions League. And there's consideration that players who play on those teams that break away would not be allowed to play for their national teams, which I think that is that really takes this to the nuclear level for me, that they would exclude those players that are, that are under contract at Juve or at Barcelona. Um, this is, uh, you know... You look at the teams that are involved. There's a lot of Americanism in this. I don't know if you saw that, Roberto. The um, there was a tweet that I just saw moment moments ago about the the people that were involved in the uh, in the list here. And I'm just taking a look. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick. There is a list of you know people that would be running this. Um, and just be, oh, here we go. So the European Super League details. This is tweeted by Barca Universal on Twitter. Uh, The chairman would be Florentino Perez from Real Madrid. Vice chairman, Stan Kroenke, American owner at Arsenal. Vice chair, Andrea Agnelli at Juventus. Vice chair, John Henry, uh, owner of the Boston Red Sox, American owner at Liverpool. And vice chairman, Joel Glazer. uh, Also, uh, I believe, Tampa Bay Buccaneers owner and Manchester United owner. There is a heavy American influence on this. And you look at the American influence. MLS soccer is set up very differently for me from the rest of the world. And it is governed by NFL owners. It is something that is sort of a closed system. Not sort of. It is a closed system. And I can't help but see that this type of setup for Champions League or this Super League would be similar to what we see in MLS now where they would almost close the league out only to the big, big moneyed super clubs. And you wonder if if they did go through with this and UEFA did go nuclear on this. Who would win in this money grab, both short term and long term, especially not having France and German sides, especially big sides like PSG, uh, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Lyon, um, not having those massive clubs in this competition. What would this do for um, for European football as we know it? What would it do for for the rest of it? So my thoughts are this. I I don't think this will go through. I, I mean, ultimately, I don't think this will go through because of. Wefa playing the nuclear card at this point, but man, this is talk about going right to the brink of nuclear war here in, in European football. This is, this is as close as we've ever come. So I, I want to throw it over to you because I feel like I've been talking too much <laughs> and I want, I want to get your take on all of the situation, all the, you know, all the players involved in, in your, your thoughts in general, my friend.
1: No, I mean, I think the reaction that we're seeing on Twitter is probably in agreement with almost everything. I don't think I've ever seen such a topic be universally, um, Against with some opposition. I mean, I don't know. It's. I just think that this idea just ruins the essence of the sport mm-hmm. by making it so predictable that would allow those teams, like you had mentioned, you look at the teams that were being uh, said at, at the top of your monologue United, Liverpool, City, Barcelona, um, Juve, you know, all these clubs have huge financial gains. And yet they feel as if, though, in a situation like this, to break what was a, a a tradition where you see such clubs who you know have viewed this tournament as a way to to really get their names all over the world. Mm. They they used this competition as a way to expand their gain and to expand their marketing. I just feel like having this super league just in, it's like a it's an abandonment of like the essence of what the culture is of football and an embrace of, like, elitist capitalist ideals that, you know, have just created this unbalance of the game. It, mm-hmm. it really does not make any sense. I think, obviously, you know, teams like like PSG and Bayern are, you know, in this, in this way, right, to not be interested at in this for the moment because it just alienates themselves from the rest of the world. It's like a rich boys club, essentially. Mm-hmm. It feels that way. Um, but, you know, it, it just... That that feeling of what you know when a lot of these names, like Ahilini, um, for example, you know he's he's the head of the European Club Association, and that's like 200 clubs. So it just feels weird how that majority of those 200 top clubs are going to be left out of this proposed Super League. He's on UEFA's executive board, and I, I think it just it will undermine just the appeal of this game, and you know people will say football's dead or whatever it may be, but. Just having this type of alienation and lack of parity will just make it much much worse. I, I I agree. I don't think this will happen. I, you know, when when people like FIFA and UEFA and, and leagues are stepping in, um, threatening expulsions from domestic leagues, that's how you know it's serious. But like you said, yeah, it's it's literally at the verge of nuclear war, and then you have players that are banned from participating in competitions that are domestic european world level what's the biggest one that they want to play in the world cup i mean you you think these players would want this as well you you think any of these guys would want to be banned from playing from you know the biggest competitions in the world not only for their clubs but also for their national team no it wouldn't make sense but now you see where the the interest comes in for all of these clubs. And it's, it's sad to see even just the idea of it makes it makes it makes me sick to my stomach. But you know, this would really kill European football as a whole, if it were to go through.
0: Yeah. I, you know, and I think, like I said, the linchpin right now is going to be on the players. Uh, When you look at this and, and they put that nuclear option about them being banned from being able to participate in things like the world cup or the euros or anything like that, it is, there's a sense of pride like you know if you've played for barcelona you play for juve you feel like you've made it right but you don't really truly make it until you put the badge of your country on and you win something for your country it's it is it is probably the you know in terms of those players it's the pinnacle of their career we don't you know winning the champions league you know winning their domestic cups that 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 is great it's fantastic it's an honor it's 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 something that is life-changing but when you win a world cup you you really become immortal uh in your country and and I think that losing that would would cause these players to consider their next contract now let's look at it this way when you do something like that when you go nuclear and really they're going nuclear against as far as I know against the UEFA sides. So, you know, your Italian players, your French players, your German players, those, those are the, you know, your, your English and, and Spanish players. Those are the ones I think that would be most hit by this. I'm not sure if uh, if FIFA stepped in and said, Hey, as FIFA, if you guys do this, you're cut off because now you're losing the Argentinian players, the Brazilian players, the Paraguayan players, you know, the American players, uh, the Mexican players. Those those are the ones now. If FIFA stepped in and said, hey, we're we're joining this nuclear assault on the Super League. Now it, it becomes a global thing. And I think that would would totally end it. Um, you also start to wonder if there will be sanctions against some of these clubs. Um you know, for because their owners are, are, are participating in this basically what is a coup um, of European football. So now will Juve be uh, banned from playing in the Champions League next year? Will City be banned from it? Will Will Barca be banned from it? You know, those are the next questions that are going to come up once the aftermath happens is, is are they going to be removed for a year from this um, or not? That remains to be seen. Will they be punished by their domestic leagues? Uh, that's going to be something that remains to be seen as well. If there is a punishment at all, uh, but I think this is this is something that is earth shattering, and I think all clubs in Europe right now are kind of hitting the pause button on this and going, "Hey, you know, this is this is a real threat." And what does this do for us at West Ham? What does it do for us at Everton? What does it do for us at Athletic Club or or Dortmund or Bayern Munich um, or Lazio, right? Or Roma? The, what does it do for us at those places? Those are going to be the interesting questions that I think come out of this. Honestly, Roberto, I think this gets solved and decided within the next 72 hours. I think the way this news has come at us so rapid fire over the past couple hours that I think in the next 72 hours, I would say by the time leagues kick off again, by the end of the week, this is resolved one way or another, either yes, they're breaking away and it's done or no, they're not breaking away. And I think that if they're breaking away, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw Dylan Walsh uh, who who were connected to um, great journalist. He actually said that, you know, maybe the clubs will get punished. I could see uh, the Spanish League, the French, you know, the Italian League, the, the English League taking these teams and giving them point punishments that would remove them from the top spots in the leagues now so that those other teams that are not part of the super league would slot into those champions league spots right away. Do you see something like that possibly happening?
1: Yeah, I mean when you go into a situation like this when these clubs are essentially being, you know, their own entities um that mind you are paying bills to the league, to the federation, to the um confederations mm. to FIFA. I mean, when you go past that, you can't do much really. Yeah. Um but it's uh yeah, I I genuinely hope this gets resolved honestly because it's not it's not good at all. No. It's a terrible idea.
0: No, and I think uh, the court for arbitration of sport better uh, block off some time over the next few weeks because I think a lot of this is going to get litigated sooner than later. You know, I, th- I think I we'll all end so. up in court. So yeah. uh, Let's table this discussion, um, and let's see if we can get our guest in here. Again, I like had mentioned earlier, we're going to have Andrea Yanez from Una Hora con la H, the uh, the show in Miami, that uh, talks about all things Honduran football, and we're going to uh, have her on to talk about uh, uh, CONCACAF Champions League that we haven't spent much time on, but we are in a situation now where we're back to Mexican and MLS clubs in the final eight of the Uh, Champions League so without further ado the Andrea Yanez interview joining us now on Low Limit Football from Una Hora Con La H Andrea Yanez Andrea welcome back to the show it's a pleasure to have you back again I want to open the questions to you uh, getting your reaction to the two Honduran sides that played in CONCACAF Champions League but before that let's talk about your reaction to the news on the European Super League uh, and, and how you think that will play out in your mind
2: Hi, Joe. Hi, Roberto. Thanks for having me on Low Limit Football. Always a pleasure being with you guys. And well, um, I don't like the Super League, the European Super League, to tell you the truth. I think it's a really bad idea and it's um, not fair to all the football fans and also not fair to all the teams that every year do do what it takes to be on a first division in Europe. So I really don't like the idea. And I'm very disappointed uh, by the announcement today uh, of the Premier League clubs that are thinking about participating in this. So it's really disappointing for me. And actually, it's really disappointing to see Arsenal, who is the club that I support in the Premier League there, because Mm. Arsenal has not had Um, European success since almost 15 years ago when they were in the final against Barcelona. So that they support something like this really gives me no hope because they should be on the other side. But um, I really think that FIFA, UEFA, La Liga and Serie A um, really got out and gave a really strong response to this because that is the way to do it. I don't think that it is fair for the game, not just in Europe, but globally to see this type of initiative because it's not fair for the fans and it's not fair for teams that try to make it every year. That That's the beautiful thing about about, about the sport. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no,
0: Roberto and I talked about it and we don't, and we don't think that uh, – I think ultimately it is not going to happen because there's so much on the line – for not only the clubs that are going to participate, but the players that play for those clubs. I think, you know, being banned from world competition, you know, or or UEFA competitions and that sort of thing, I think is a big deal for them. But, uh, you know, I think we both expressed our, you know, that, that this is this is certainly something that is is going to lead to litigation. Um, you know, we, we've seen some journalists call this a nuclear option with uh, UEFA barring the players and clubs from other competitions. Uh, the leagues will bar those clubs as well because this was meant to be sort of a, an adjunct to, uh, let's say, Juve playing in the Serie A or Arsenal playing in the EPL, and and they're going to take all of that away from them. So I think these clubs will will think twice about this, but uh, you know. Roberto and I were talking about this and a lot of blame has been put out on Andrea Agnelli, who seems to be the driving force behind this at Juventus, but there are a lot of teams that have American owners that are in this list that are kind of listed as vice chairmen of this super league. Do you feel that there's a, a heavy American influence in what they want this to look like when all is said and done?
2: You know, Joe, I really think it does because, um, you know, um, the Americans have a way uh, to look at sport as the business side first in everything. So I think that they are definitely influencing this. And obviously the, the, the clubs, like you said, Juventus, uh, see an advantage to that because they see all those NFL franchises, the NBA franchises, and all the money that they make. And they want something similar to this. So I definitely think it plays a part. And I definitely think it's interesting to see like the four clubs that are playing uh, the semifinals in the champions league are, are clubs that are, are in this, in this idea. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see uh, this play out it, it, because you have on one side, the American influence, but you also have on the other side, obviously all the money influence that, um, uh, money from uh from those teams that are participating in the semifinals in the champions league that they bring that they bring and that they that brought them here to this stage uh, to be in the semifinals so i think it's really interesting uh to see that and and i definitely think um the the leagues uh having this strong response is gonna maybe deter Uh, This idea, but I won't, I don't think the idea would disappear because we see more and more Americans trying to buy shares in, in European uh, football.
0: It's true. That is very, very true. Let's, uh, let's go back to the football, the talk of everything. And we, obviously we were talking about CONCACAF Champions League or we wanted to talk about CONCACAF Champions League. I wanted to start out with your reaction to the Honduran sides, uh, Club America, Eliminating Olympia uh, 2-2 on aggregate, but uh, on away goals. Uh, Olympia actually going to Azteca for the second match and winning 1-0, which is pretty impressive. And then Portland Timbers eliminating Marathon uh, 7-2 on aggregate. And this looked like it was going to be a lot closer. The first leg in Honduras uh, was a 2-2 draw. But then moving back to Portland, uh, Portland just found their way in, in a 5-0 smashing of Marathon. What is your reaction to the Honduran sides, especially where they were in a bracket where the two sides, if they had eliminated Portland and Club America, would have faced each other in the quarterfinals?
2: Well, guys, uh, um, that's a tale of two different stories. Because, as you said, Olympia uh, did a very different uh, uh, showing than Marathon did. Um, Olympia had to go to to Estadio Azteca to play against America, and they got the result. Um, unfortunately, uh, it was not enough because of away goals, but I think in both matches, Olympia showed that they had something to compete with, uh, with America because um, Santiago Solari and the first leg, like, usually these Mexican teams on the first legs of these matches when they go to play to Central America or the Caribbean, they take um, usually... Uh, Younger players or players that are not in the starting eleven usually, but Santiago Solari took all his players to to play in Teusigalpa, and that match was very close. America won two one, but Olimpia had a lot of opportunities that um, they couldn't uh, score. So I think that. That is the, the the deal here, because if Olimpia had scored one more goal in Teusigalpa, things would have been different. And they had the chance to do it. Now in uh, in in Mexico, I think they had a great showing. They they showed that they could play against a team that obviously has millions of dollars more than what Olimpia has. And um I think they left a good image. Obviously, the 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 sad part is the the injury to to the Chucho López. And all this controversy that has been around that after that, because um, after the game, the team said that it was intentional and that the player of Olympia should be suspended. So it's been it, it, this controversy has been going along all this, this week. But I, I definitely think that what happened was that America didn't imagine that, that Olympia could go to their house, to Estadio Azteca, to, 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 to play. To play like they did, and uh, actually, I want to mention Jerry Bengston because Jerry Bengston has become <laughs> the man of the Azteca since uh, Honduras won with him in the in the um, in the World Cup qualifiers, scoring there after many years of not winning in the Azteca, and now he he scores with Olympia too. So I think Olympia has a lot to to look forward, especially if they keep Pedro Troglio as their their coach. Uh, I think they have good players, they have a good a good project and and, and I think that they showed why they are the the biggest club in, in Central America. Now with Marathon, it was the actual opposite of that, because Marathon, yes, uh showed some good things in San Pedro Sula, but uh traveling to Portland was a disaster for the team. And um, I really didn't expect it to be uh, that big of a difference, but it really was. And I, I give merit to Portland because from the, all the MLS teams that got through, I think Portland played the most pretty, prettiest uh, uh, football of all of them, and and they deserved they deserved to win and and they deserved to go through. And I think they they will play well against America.
1: Now, Andrea, I wanted to shift gears to what's been going on in Europe. I mean, obviously we're talking about this Super League and whatnot, but we have to focus on the Champions League. Obviously, we have our two semifinals in PSG against Man City, which I think is probably going to be the most tightest of the two games. But you have Real Madrid taking on Chelsea, a Chelsea side that have been building up um, a lot of momentum since Tuchel came in to replace Frank Lampard. Real Madrid are also looking in form. But, you know, I just want your thoughts on these two games and how do you assess it with the semifinals starting in a couple of days?
2: I'm very excited about these games because I think what we saw in the quarterfinals uh, with all the teams were nice matches all around, nice goals and everything. So I think these uh, two semifinals are very, very, very interesting because of what you said. In In one side, we have PSG that defeated Bayern and we have Manchester City that defeated Dortmund, but uh, PSG, we thought, had it in the bag, and we saw on that, uh, on that game that it was not easy for them to go through at the end. And uh, Manchester City obviously has Pep Guardiola, but also has a lot of injury problems that um, they will have to see which players are available for them in, during that match. And I think uh, that, for me, is the most interesting matchup because of, of the way they played. Of the way they play and how they've been playing uh, during this season, obviously Real Madrid and Chelsea. Real Madrid, thirteen times uh, winner of this uh, of this competition, and Chelsea, a Chelsea side that most of us didn't have at the beginning of the season, come coming to through, through the semifinals. But I think um, they've done a good change, a good change of of pace in the Premier League and in this competition. They are very dangerous. They have a lot of dangerous players that that are going to be tough for Real Madrid to 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 control. But I also think Sidan has found in these players, even though with all the injuries, with all the COVID-related um, eh, absences, he has found a team that can beat anyone in any given night. And obviously, the best midfield for me in Europe, uh, Tony Cross Modric, and Casemiro, and obviously Benzema, who, who has been... Enormous for Real Madrid decision. season. So I think that will be a difficult uh, matchup, but I think Real Madrid will, will make it to another final. On the other match, I my favorite to go through is PSG because uh, obviously they are attacked. Their attacking players are more of a goal scorers than what Pep Guardiola has available in, in his team. But obviously Pep Guardiola and his um Football tactics are better than anyone in 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 the world of football. So I think we're gonna see two two good matchups. And and uh, if I have to give <laughs> uh, my 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 teams to 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 go through my favorite teams to go through, I would say that the final will be Real Madrid against PSG.
1: Yeah, I agree. So I, I agree as well. I think those are the two teams that I think are more favored. But as you said, I think this will definitely be. Well, four games in, in total, that will be definitely uh, one to watch out for. So I can't wait for that. I wanted to switch gears now to obviously what's going on in MLS. We had the season start this weekend at the time of recording, and obviously Inter-Miami will kick off their season against LA Galaxy. Um, and obviously, I think a lot of expectation is given to them, obviously with their new manager in Phil Neville replacing Diego Alonso. You had some issues going on from contract disputes and and, you know, players coming in, players going out as well. I mean, obviously they barely missed out on the, uh, the playoffs last season. But how do you assess Inter-Miami's season this year, That you know, their second overall season? And hopefully that'll be a, a season where they can complete it without the, the pause that we saw with the pandemic last year.
2: You know, with Inter Miami, it's interesting because the team has done a lot of changes, as you said. Uh, now, with uh, with Phil at the head, uh, also Jason Christ is the the his assistant, and the, he's uh, having a big influence on this team. I think the problem with Inter Miami this year is going to be all the extra field stuff, like you said, the contracts. Because the big news about Matias Pellegrini being a player that is worth they paid nine million dollars for him for him not to be able to play and have <laughs> after spending nine million dollars on him it's really 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 a tough a tough knock for for phil neville and and his team because i went to training this week he was training um to be a starter in this match against la galaxy so i think that would be a big blow for inter miami also the, the blaze my stuff because um, we have still to see what MLS will do because you not only have the problem with having four designated players but you have the problem with matuidis contracts so I maybe think uh, Inter Miami may be looking to for uh, um, a a lot of drama in that aspect and they could be looking at, at getting a big a big um, a big showing uh, with MLS making an example of them. So I think that will influence on how the team begins. Obviously it's always hard with uh, catching up with a new coach, a new style of play, new players, but the excitement is there. The excitement is there today. Uh, They're letting fans in. Uh, They're having 8,000 people. Uh, The stadium has a capacity of approximately 19,000 people, but, uh, Eight thousand will be today socially distanced, and they are expecting that to help uh, the team to to make them feel like home because they played some matches last year, but it was not obviously because of the pandemic and and all of us happening. It was not a good year for Inter Miami, but now they have that opportunity. Hopefully, the the extra field stuff don't interfere too much. I am looking forward. Uh, to, to them getting uh, uh, Gibbs, Karen Gibbs, from from the Premier League uh, in June because I think that would be a player that they, that will help them, uh, obviously, because they, they he, their problem is in, in defence. Last year with De Alonso was in defence, so maybe getting a, a type of player that can defend and an attack will help them. And obviously everyone is looking forward to seeing Kipiti Guayin to see if he can score a lot of goals. I am telling you here, I didn't see him in such good shape. But Joe, you know, as a as a Juve fan, you 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 know that Iwan doesn't need to be in such a good shape to score goals. So let's see how it goes with with Inter Miami.
0: Yeah, well, you know, as a Juventino, I, I've seen him in good shape and I've seen him in bad shape, and uh, and and he always has a, a fine touch for goal, and and. You know, I I was lucky last year when Toronto was playing all their matches in Hartford. I went to the Inter Miami um, Toronto FC match up here. I took the family and uh, you know got to see Higuain play a little bit in person and and Blaise Matuidi as well. I you know so it's it's a lot of fun to see these stars come over you know fresh off of European seasons. And I think getting the off season for Higuain, I think is going to be very helpful for him. Uh, you know, starting out this year for Inter Miami, I think he's going to be a big a big big benefit for sure. I want to ask you quickly. Obviously, the season is very, very young. We're we're in the middle of the first weekend. We had many matches played on Saturday, a couple on Friday. Was there one standout moment, or standout goal, or standout team so far that's impressed you uh, more so than you would have expected?
2: Well, I have to say, as a Honduran, Montreal Impact with Romel Kyoto
0: yesterday.
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I really liked his goal. And I really like what the team showed, especially uh, uh, Toronto coming off of eliminating the Mexican champions in in the Concacaf Champions League. I think they did well against against Toronto, and and I like their style of play. I also like uh, Houston Dynamo. They they had the win against uh, San Jose Earthquake with uh, Pelado and who has been a uh, an amazing coach in in Mexico, but has been having a little bit of problems here in MLS. Obviously. Um, it's the beginning of the season, so hmm. I really have to see. I really, I really like. I really like. Like I told you, Montreal. I think that losing Terry Henry is uh, obviously big, but if they can continue the work that they did last year, I think they are going to be a team that that can give surprises this year in the league.
0: I agree, and they were very impressive against Toronto on the weekend, winning four uh, two. For me, I, I thought the the match between Seattle and Minnesota was impressive as well. The first match, the first half was played so close and the second half, you know, Seattle really did a number on them and scored those four goals. Uh, I didn't expect them to go that big and, and it's a team that's not going to have Jordan Morris for a long, long time. Seattle looks like they're going to be a tough team to play. Um also LA Gal- I'm sorry, LAFC was was very impressive also yesterday. And we'll see what uh, Inter Miami brings. I, I think I think you can have big expectations in Miami this year coming out uh, with Phil Neville coming in as the head coach. So it certainly is shaping up to be an exciting MLS season for sure. Before I let you go, I want to ask one more question. I want to go back to CONCACAF Champions League. Like you said Toronto did eliminate Club León the, the Mexican champions. And we have an all Mexican American or all Mexican MLS uh, semi uh, quarterfinal. Uh, you know, looking at this, you would you would expect that the odds would favor the MLS sides, given that five MLS sides have made it to the quarterfinals here. Uh, two of them will play each other in Philadelphia Union, Atlanta United. Do you see any of the five MLS sides possibly making a run to the to the finals in this, and, and maybe even finally winning this competition for MLS?
2: Definitely, I think this year is, is it's gonna be a good year for MLS team in in, in Concacaf Champions League, especially because um, they have a good form of playing. Toronto, yes, they lost yesterday against Montreal, but they showed against Leon that they can be dangerous. I really like Portland, like I said before, but <laughs> I don't think Portland can go through against América. Mm-hmm. So I really like the possibilities of the of the other of the other teams, but um, I can see Atlanta United making it past Philadelphia, who I have to say, you guys, it's a big surprise that they scored 4-0 against Mm Apriza and uh, an aggregate 5-0 is a big surprise, but I don't think um, it is enough for them to to eliminate Atlanta United. So I really see, I really see at least... uh, two or one MLS team in the semifinals, and I can see Toronto going all the way to a final again. Wow, I yeah. don't know what you
0: guys think. Uh, you know, I, it's tough to say. Atlanta United's going to have, uh, you know, as as the season wears on, Joseph Martinez will get his feet back under him. Gabriel Heinza taking over there is is, is impressive. Um, you know, Philly Philly is is definitely out of the blue, a team that hasn't been successful in the past. But again, to to beat Saprisa five nil on aggregate is, is impressive. Portland looked very very impressive. Gio Savarese is a head coach there. I, I think you're right. I think beating Club America is going to be a little too much to ask. But I think they could give them a run for their money. And then Cruz Azul, you know, Cruz Azul always finds a way to get Cruzado, right? That's that's the, the old saying. So I think you're right about Toronto FC. Again, not impressive against Montreal, but Montreal looks very, very strong this year. Uh, and it's a team that, uh, you know, could possibly move through. The columbus Monterey matchup, I think, is going to be very, very tricky for both sides. Both teams very, very strong. Um, you know, obviously, you got the MLS champion there in Columbus Crew. I, I think... Columbus is the interesting team for me because I think quality-wise they are strong enough. Roberto, what do you think about them? Do you think you know? Do you see a team that possibly makes this run to the finals?
1: Ooh, I mean it's really tough. I mean I think it'll definitely have to depend on the form that they're having. I mm. think you know it, it can go either way. I think you know it, it could indeed favor maybe the American sides who are more informed. I mean the, the Mexican sides are as well. Um, but it's tough. It really is tough. I mean, it would not be surprising if we see, you know, an All-American f- final or something along those lines. I think it'd be very interesting. But I think um, I think when you look at teams like Atlanta, I think when you look at teams like Trujillo America, I think they're, they're more suited in this way. Monterrey as well. They know this competition very well. Cruz Azul... You know they have their history as well, so we'll see how it happens there. But I, I think it, it'll be tight. It will be really interesting, and I can't wait for it. I think it'll be open for everyone, honestly.
0: Yeah, I, I I think it would be great if we got at least one MLS side in the final. I think hoping for an all MLS final, I think is is a bit too much. I think it, you'll see either Monterrey or Club America in that in that other spot. But I, I do think we can get at least one MLS side in the in the final. Andrea, what do you think?
2: Yes, it could be possible I really think this is a good year for it to happen and what really what we really need to see is how they these teams go and play the those away matches because you see it, you saw it with Toronto that Toronto got the result got a good result on away goals on an away game that helped them uh, beat these teams like you saw what Olympia what happened they tied the 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 goals but they went out on 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 visiting goals so it is important for the mls team to get the result to try and get the result in their house in their home for the the mexican teams not to get goals because the problem is that when the Mexican team gets goals on visit, it's very difficult to go to Mexico. Some of these teams can have fans in their stadiums. Now it depends on the the location. So it's very difficult to go there and win. So I I really think that, that that is the key for these MLS teams. And obviously, um, the big Mexican teams always, <laughs> always bring it, bring it in this competition, especially in Monterrey, as you guys said. So, but I really think this year, this year we can see another MLS uh, Liga MX final. Hopefully, it will be interesting for the competition, and it will be interesting because uh, the Mexican sides are very, like a little bit of arrogant, saying that oh, we always win this, we always win that and and then maybe need some bringing back to reality that MLS teams can compete against them.
0: Right. I agree completely. Andrea, before we let you go, where can everybody find your work?
2: Oh, well guys, you can follow me on Twitter and Andre Yanez, uh, zero seven, and you can listen to my radio show. It's about Honduran soccer. So you can catch it, uh, on, uh, sundays at 10 a.m eastern time you can follow us on our on our social media channels also una hora uh, con la h with h like joe says it <laughs> that's right <laughs> so so you can follow us there and we talk about honduran soccer and a little bit about central american soccer and, and a little bit about everything because right now thankfully honduras has a lot of uh, international players so you can listen to us in that. And uh, thank you for you guys having me for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And it's always interesting to see all the range of opinions that we have on this show.
0: Uh, Great, great stuff. Thanks for coming on the show and we hope to have you back very soon. And thanks again to Andrea Yanez for joining us on the show, Roberto. We have a very, 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 very busy week of of football all around the world here because the, many of the European leagues are playing midweek matches. So, Get ready for this list because this is possibly the biggest list I've ever given of matches for Match of the Week. So we'll start out on Tuesday in Germany with Bayern Leverkusen. Uh, Bayern, I'm sorry, Bayern Munich. Bayern Leverkusen at 2:30 p.m. and then we'll go to South America to the Copa Libertadores group stages. Velez Sarsfield and Flamengo playing at 8:30 p.m. on Tuesday night. On Wednesday we go to Italy. Milan-Sassuolo at 12.30 p.m., Spurs-Southampton in the EPL at 1 o'clock, and the strongest Boca Juniors at 6 p.m. in the Copa Libertadores on Thursday is a big list. Roma-Atalanta in Serie A at 12.30 p.m., Napoli-Lazio 2.45 p.m. Then we go to Spain to Barcelona-Getafe at 4 p.m., and then back to South America for fluminense River Plate at 6 p.m., and Atletico Nacional in Universidad Católica at 8 p.m. We go to Friday, Arsenal-Everton in the EPL at 3 p.m., Sporting Kansas City and Orlando in MLS at 7.30 p.m. Saturday, wolfsburg Dortmund, 9.30 a.m. Then we go to LAFC-Seattle Sounders. is a big, big matchup to start this season. 6 p.m. on Saturday evening in the MLS. On Sunday, Athletic Club-Atletico Madrid at 3 p.m. We have Leon-Lil, a battle of uh, the top spots in France at 3 p.m. and then we'll close out the week with the LA Galaxy New York Red Bull 5:30 p.m. in MLS. Uh, don't miss it. There is a lot of football to watch, my friend. You had the honor of trivia. Would you mind uh, throwing that question back at me again?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, in relation to the FIFA World Rankings, there are only three teams that make up the top ten that have never made that have never won the World Cup. Who are they?
0: So, I gave you Belgium already because uh, they're in the number mm-hmm. one spot. If I remember correctly, Mexico cracked this top 10. They are not in the top oh, I 10. I thought they were close. Um, they must Maybe they're like 11th. They're 11th. 11th. eleven. They're ah, that's all right. So I've got, I'm have got missing one already. Uh, teams that haven't won. Uh, let me think. I'm trying to think back to the list because uh, I think Brazil was in this, and obviously they've won the World Cup. I'm trying to think of European countries that might not have won the World Cup. Oh, uh, Portugal. Portugal are in fifth place. Yep. And then the last one, I don't think the Dutch were in there, but I'm going to go with Netherlands. No, it's not the Netherlands. They are 16th. Okay. Do you want to give me uh, either? Uh, I'll, you know, give you one more, I'll give you one more shot. All right. To figure uh, it out.
1: And it is, it's a European country. It is a
0: European country. Okay. Uh, you know what? Let's go with Croatia. Croatia are 14th, actually. All right. Who do we got? I'm missing. On in 10th place, Denmark, Denmark. Oh, that's you know what? That's right. I do remember seeing that. Ah, great. great They were unbeaten in in World Cup qualifying. Great question. That is a great question. So all three European teams, uh, Belgium, Denmark and Portugal, the three teams in the top 10 that have not won the World Cup. Great question, my friend. I love it. So without further ado, uh, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. Here we go. So for episode 323 of Low Limit Football Special thanks again to Andrea Yanez For joining us on the show Next week we will follow up On the European Super League talk And what has progressed there We'll look at the Champions League As they get ready to kick off the semifinals The Europa League as they get ready to kick off semifinals And we'll look back on CONCACAF Champions League As well as they lead into their quarterfinal matches The following week So for episode 323 of Low Limit Football I'm Joe Ucello I'm Riveroa. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.